Another week of fun times here on the pregame podcast. Where, uh, wait, what? We're having fun? I mean, I'm having fun. Are you not having fun? I guess I'm having fun. I'm having fun now. Uh, okay, I guess. What does it say if I have to tell was, you that we're having fun? Uh, this was bad. We're not doing this. No, no, we're definitely doing this. Welcome to the show, everybody. So, this oh, week, boy. we got. <laughs> This week we're talking about a lot of things, including the newest team to join the NHL and a new obscure sport for you to check out. This one is aquatic. My man went aquatic. (laughs) Yeah, plus we're also going to be talking about the shift and the switch up to the MLB postseason as well. He went aquatic. I mean, you're not wrong on aquatic. I'm going to be real. I mean, everything's taking a backseat now to to the hockey team and aquatic because, I mean... All the question marks are flying at this moment in time. The most aquatic, obscure sport we've had. Actually, that's a true statement. The most it is a true statement. The most aquatic one we've had. So that's that's all coming up. Winners and losers time here on the pregame podcast. Kalen, who's your winner this week? Well, you're diving straight into it this week there, Dan. But um, my winner this week, I guess it's technically two winners, are the NBA and the NHL both of which have the best plans so far for combating COVID-19. And I mean, we've had incidents where like Lou Williams burst the bubble in Orlando by one or two other players have done so that we've spoken about on the show previously, but really nothing bad's happened from that yet. Most of it was just, you know, picking up my Chick-fil-A or, you know, something else. I mean, besides going to a strip club, which honestly was just, I don't know what they were thinking there, but still, the NHL has a similar policy in play, and that is going well so far with hockey picking right back up. And honestly, things are looking pretty good. We'll see how it pans out in the long haul, but the bubble and put everyone in one spot method seems to be working for those two clubs. Hmm, organizations, wonder, rather. I wonder if we're going to hear about the other organization that decided to not use a bubble system later on this segment. We'll, we'll find out. Oh, we just might. But with that said, Dan... Since we're still talking about winners, who's your winner for this week? My winner this week is one Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. So you may or may not know, but Pat Mahomes is actually Pat Mahomes Jr. And he is Pat Mahomes Jr. because his dad is also Pat Mahomes. See see how that works? So Pat Mahomes Sr. wasn't a football player. He was a professional baseball player. He played with the Twins and a whole lot of other organizations, including my Pirates, for his final year in the league. He wasn't a superstar by any means, but he stuck around for a a whole bunch of seasons and bounced from team to team. The reason I bring this up is because Pat Mahomes Jr. is kind of following in his father's footsteps a little bit. He did play baseball in high school, but obviously football is the way that he went. And he's already decided to invest some of that mammoth $503 million contract And in this case, he's become a minority stakeholder in the Kansas City Royals. Really? Yes. He now owns a small part of the Kansas City Royals. It has not been disclosed how much money he spent or what percentage it is, but he he is now a partial owner of the Royals. That's pretty cool. Good for him. I'm not even kidding. So it it was pretty cool. He got to like throw out a first pitch or something recently. There was like a ceremony or something that was going on, but... (laughs) You gave us a bunch of money here. Throw out a ball. I mean, at, at the <laughs> very nobody least. Nobody in the stands. <laughs> Listen, people were still throwing out balls. You know, they still had they still had Dr. Uh, Fauci out there throwing out the first ball in uh, in Washington. So, yeah, yeah, true. Listen, it could still happen. But Pat Mahomes already doing the the smart thing. I, I call it the Jay-Z method because Jay-Z was has, has been very successful investing his money from the rap game into many other products which have made him a billionaire over the course of his life. So Pat Mahomes doing a little bit of the same thing, investing that money, you know, thinking of the future. Man's not going to play football forever, so he's already uh, thinking past that, where he's apparently going to be the owner, or at least a partial owner, of the Kansas City Royals. Hey, I'm down for it. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Kansas City Royals, not in a good spot, though. Not Not a championship team. But on the flip side, speaking of not championship teams, who is your loser this week, Kalen? Oh, well, 
not a team, but rather another league, as you uh, foreshadowed a little bit ago. Baseball, the MLB, with the Marlins having, I don't, I can't even remember the number. What is it, like 15 COVID cases? I think um, it was 14, but that was that was news as of like this morning. So who knows when that, Yeah, like who knows That's, what the number is at this point. It's probably at like 20 as we speak, but honestly, the MLB, they're clearly doing something wrong. I mean, the teams are still traveling. The players, I don't think they have very many restrictions on them. No. Yeah, that this this is literally just a, a spell for a disaster. I think the MLB was more concerned about their fans than their players, which I think also led to a lot of the issues besides money that was involved. And I think that's why a lot of players dropped out. And I think the NFL seeing that happening with their players as well, because the NFL still thinking, ah, eh, we'll be fine. I don't know about that, Roger Goodell. So, yeah, NFL, learn from MLB. Don't just let your players run rampant, run wild, live life normally, because it literally takes one person in a clubhouse or a football team to catch it, and then it's just through that entire organization in two weeks. So heed my warning, Roger Goodell. Restrict the players. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, my losers also, the the MLB. It's ridiculous. The story coming out about how after the, I, I think there was like a game where the Marlins were in Atlanta or something like that. And after the game was over, they're like, yeah, let's go hit downtown. Let's go see what's happening. Like as a group, as a squad. They, yeah, that's they squatted just, up no. rolling into downtown 20 men deep. <laughs> like, what, what are you guys doing? Oof, that's bad. That's so bad. Like, I, well, you got to restrict these guys. You got to remember, it's also partially the MLBPA because they were the ones who initially shot down the whole type of bubble type of situation. That whole thing was shut down by the MLBPA. I know the owners weren't in favor of it either, but both sides were like, yeah, nah, we're not doing no bubble. Yeah. So. I understand why the owners weren't for it because it's not like they're making money off of, you know, televising the game in their stadium. <laughs> like, I don't understand. They're not making money, period. Nobody's paying, you know, paying for tickets, paying for food in their stadium. Like, well, yeah, then why uh, does the game have to be played in the stadium? Just play it in one place. That's what I'm saying. Hell, we could make a sandlot and just have everyone play in a sandlot for crying out loud. Like, <laughs> what? I don't understand why owners had such a gripe with it. I didn't understand why the MLBPA had a gripe with it. Like, the bubble is clearly the method to go with. And if those parties can't see that now we are not going to have a baseball season oh yeah for sure the expansion team in seattle officially has a new name and it's time for us to yell and scream at each other about whether or not it's a good one here on the pregame podcast joining us as always whenever we have hockey to talk about we're bringing in our boy tj tj fosnot tj welcome back to the show and welcome to the thunderdome of discussing this Seattle Kraken squad. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, I got I got some thoughts on this one. It's um, yeah, we'll we'll get into it then. No, of, of course. I I know you have some thoughts. I know I messaged you as soon as they dropped the news. I was like, they're officially the Kraken, and you, you sent me a a really long video response about how they have done messed up. Now, I, I know your opinion coming into this, but Kalen, I'll ask you real quick. You know, since I haven't really got a chance to talk to you at all about it, I'm in favor of the name of the Kraken. What do you think, Kalen? I mean, I'm all for it. Like, as someone who's not a huge hockey fan, but now has to be because earlier on when we first talked about this, Dan, you and I were like, oh, if they if they have a Kraken for the squad name, we might have to, you know, jump on that. So I guess now I have a hockey team to follow. But yeah, I mean, I like <laughs> I like the name. I like the logo. I pretty much like uh, everything about what they uh, what they're doing so far. I mean, we don't get to see the team play until the 2021-2022 season, but you know, till then, uh, let the excitement build. Well, let's go to the flip side, TJ. I'm going to give you the floor here. You hate the name. You don't like a lot about what this franchise is looking like right now. So I'm, I'm going to give you the space. Tell me what's up. Tell me why the Seattle Kraken is a terrible name for this expansion franchise. I think they should have honored their history. I mean, if you look back, but this is just the hockey nerd in me. And I guess it makes sense for like the casual fans where, you know, they don't know the history behind 
hockey in America and stuff like that. But if you look back to 1917, the very first team to win the Stanley Cup in America was the Seattle Metropolitans at the PCHA, which was the Pacific Coast Hockey Association. So before the NHL, there was, you know, a bunch of different organizations and it was the winner of the PCHA and the Ontario League would play each other for the Stanley Cup. And then eventually that evolved into the NHL. And, you know, here we are over 100 years later. But the very first team to win the Stanley Cup for America was the Seattle Metropolitans. And granted, I get I get the logo choice because it's similar because the, the Metropolitans logo was just an S with the word Metropolitans written in it. But, I mean, it was 1917. It's not like they had computers to design cool logos. But it's just the hockey nerd in me doesn't like the name. But I understand the choice of it. It makes sense with the area. Like you have the Seahawks for football. You have the Thunderbirds for the Seattle's uh, junior hockey team out of the WHL. So it makes sense. I mean, even in the MLS, they have the Sounders. So their entire sports repertoire is revolved around you know the water and being next to the pacific ocean so it, it does make sense i get it but i feel like they could have did better with the logo it kind of looks like that s we all used to draw in elementary school <laughs> you mean that wow. like modified yeah yeah i know what you're talking about yeah it, it reminds me of that and then like the the red i'm not sure if the red's supposed to be an eye or the mouth like it looks like the mouth of the kraken but it also looks like an eye. So. It, it is supposed to be the eye from my understanding. TJ, I, I know that you probably haven't like dove into it, but apparently they have a website set up where they explain each decision that they made in terms of the logo, in terms of, you know, the, the colors and everything. I do like the color scheme, but it kind of harkens back to the late 90s, early 2000s New York Islanders almost, where they have the, where the Islanders had those weird, like, ocean colored jerseys with the fisherman guy on them but like i said i get it it's a solid name for the casual fan but it's the i don't want to say hockey purist that's not the right word but like the people that really know the history behind it that like that's why i want them to be the metropolitans because that would show they have a legacy of excellence that kind of thing but here's my argument on that if i you know stemming off of your legacy of excellence they're a new franchise so you know Part of me is almost glad they didn't adopt the Seattle Metropolitans because then, you know, it's almost like, oh, we're just going to adopt that history rather than start fresh from scratch. Like, this is a new team. This is a new area. Granted, it's had hockey before, but to me, starting anew is better than adopting another franchise's history. Can you agree with that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I get that. I mean... Like I said, thinking on it more, it does make sense. But I, I guess the hockey nerd in me really wanted it to be the Metropolitans just because it would be cool to see that again. But it does make sense. The logo could have been a little bit better. But some crazy super fan already got a tattoo where he meshed like the one of the proposed logos with their new logo. And it looks like it, it would be a sick like secondary logo because they haven't really dropped that yet. But I feel like they could have did a little bit better with the logo could have incorporated more like Seattle things like the space needle, like the Seattle Sounders out of the MLS. They have the space needle on theirs. Well, they do have a um, TJ, not to, (laughs) not not to, not to hit you with it, but they do have a secondary logo that does incorporate the Seattle space needle. I just haven't seen it yet. I mean, I've been, yeah. So what it, what it is, is it's a, uh, it's an anchor and the middle portion is shaped to look like the space needle. Well, then there we go. I guess they shoved that one right back in my face. So uh. <laughs> not to not to not to, you know, pull you on here and then, you know, to shoot you down, TJ. But they, they did. They did do a little bit there. You know, I think that uh, is a really cool kind of like it's not really like a full secondary as much as it is kind of like um alternate. Yeah. An, an alternate logo of some kind. It's on the shoulders of the jerseys. Too. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's like the secondary logo. And that's what that guy, uh, I saw the tattoo, TJ, you were referencing. You got the the Kraken S with the with the anchor. I can't remember if the anchor was over top or behind the S, but he got the whole, like, two combined in a design. And it was actually pretty cool. But, yeah, Dan, to you, defend TJ if I can. I didn't even notice that that was the Space Needle until you said something, Dan. <laughs> okay, well, I, I mean, it's not, it. <laughs> yeah. 
I looked at it closer here for a hot second and I was like, oh, okay, all right, that makes sense. But it just kind of, it just looks like a, uh, it fits the theme of the anchor, if you will. Yeah, well, one one so, thing really quick for you, Kalen, if I could. So you, yeah. know, you were talking about how like, oh, well, you know, it, it's dumb for them just to pick up the, you know, the old team because this is a new franchise and all this stuff. They can't just, you know, take on the history when they're a brand new thing. Aren't you the one that's like, oh, bring the Supersonics back. We need the Supersonics again, even though they would be a new franchise if they did that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just I'm my... just saying I'm just saying that's the perspective TJ's got. No, I know. I mean, that, that's my stance. And I, I agree with TJ. Like, I'm all for bringing teams back with um with history, but I'm also more in agreement with them, you know, starting a new like if Seattle wanted to do a basketball team, they wouldn't bring back the Supersonics. They they wouldn't. If Seattle was going to do a basketball team. They would do something completely different. Probably call them like the Seagulls or something crazy. Um, the, at this what, point, what? <laughs> I don't know. Just because you know the theme of the ocean here that they keep going with. But the point is, if you bring back the Supersonics, you know that franchise doesn't have the history that the old Supersonics did because you know they're OKC. So. It's interesting. And and that comes to a point of that that comes to a point at like a commissioner level or at a league level of okay, well if you bring back the Supersonics or you bring back the Metropolitans, does Oklahoma City lose its history of being the Supersonics? Do they lose their banners? Do they lose like, you know, do they lose what they've won? And then they just start up as OKC and, you know, whatever year they turned well, to Oklahoma I, City Thunder. I can't remember offhand. We've seen this situation already play out between the the Cleveland Browns and the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And it, it is, in my opinion, that the, the history of the Cleveland Browns went with the Ravens and the new Browns, like they try to adopt like, you know, the oh, like, you know, Jim, it's not the Jim Brown team. It's, it's just not to swivel back to the Kraken really quick. So, TJ, I know that, you know, you discussed about how you wanted them to stay historical. You wanted them to stay the Metropolitans and to, you know, recognize that history. But what if I told you that I found out the one person you have to blame for the reason they're not the Metropolitans? Who is it? You don't even want to venture a guess? You just want to hear who uh, who you have to yell and get mad about? I mean, I mean I'm, our, I'm always mad at Gary Bettman. So he's like, you know... Football fans hate Goodell. Hockey fans hate Bettman. But I will give him this. During this corona pandemic, he did a very good job with trying to get players back on the ice. So before I go into my spiel about hating Bettman, I will give him – got to give the devil his due on this one. He did do a really good job. And now there's a new labor agreement for the next, like, five years. It runs to 2026, I think, or something like that. So there's not going to be another, you know, shortened season due to a lockout like there was in 2012, I believe or 2014, one of the two, I can't remember exactly. But, you know, we've seen lockouts in the past, and Bettman's trying to rectify that. But my guess would be Gary Bettman. And you would be correct in that. Basically, from what I read, they were kind of 50-50 between Kraken and Metropolitans. And the thing that kind of cracked it, (laughs) pun unintended, towards the, the side of the Kraken was the fact that Gary Bettman said that the issue with bringing a team in and calling them the Metropolitans is that you then have to rename the Metropolitan Division. And he didn't want to do that. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, boy. Now I'm angry. Okay. <laughs> it, it's literally not hard to come up with. Okay. All right. All right. What? It's it's not hard to come up with a new division name? No, it's not. You could call them, you know, the... We used to have Eastern Conference and Western Conference, and then it was just North and South and kind of like East and West of those divisions, but that never seemed to be an issue. But now we have, you know, Pacific, Central, Atlantic, and Metropolitan, but you just, you, you change the name a little bit, call it the Central, you know, Eastern Conference instead of the Metropolitan Division, you know, the Central Division of the Eastern Conference, but that would create confusion apparently in Gary Bettman's little brain between the Central Division of the Western Conference. So we couldn't do that. To be fair, there is kind of like this weird situation where like you would have to change something. And you have, I mean, the Metropolitan is teams of the Eastern Conference. And then you have this team being called the Metropolitan that's in the Western Conference. And like there would be a a mishmash of sorts 
and, and something would have to be changed. So it does make logical sense to change the thing that isn't already set in stone. In Batman's defense, I know that you hate it. I, I know that you absolutely hate it and think it's the dumbest reason ever. Oh, it is. But th- there's also another reason I can think of, but I don't think Mets fans would get too irritated. But that would be maybe the New York Mets would have an issue with another team, you know, being called Metropolitans or Mets or whatever. But that never really crossed my mind. But I, that's just because, you know, hockey's a winter sport and baseball is normally a summer sport. Yeah. Um, to be fair, there are other places where there are multiple. You have the San Francisco Giants and the New York Giants as one example. Or the St. Louis Cardinals and the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, exactly. And and that, yeah, yeah. That's not a big deal. I mean, cross sports isn't a huge deal. If you get two teams called the Rangers and one of them's in Texas, one of them's in New York, but they both play hockey, then you run into problems. Yeah. But the main reason that kind of broke the stalemate between Kraken and Metropolitans was Gary Bettman not wanting to have to uh, deal with the confusion and the potential rebranding of the Metropolitan Division in hockey. Not to continue harping on Gary Bettman too much, there's another funny thing about the branding of the Kraken, and that is the fact that people have already begun, and these are people who are in Seattle excited for this team and who are going to be diehards for this team, is that they're already referring to themselves as, quote, crackheads. Yeah. And they're <laughs> and and the stadium is being referred to as the crack house. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they could have did a little bit better on that one. Like it's a little awkward for that. I will say the chant of like release the kraken is beautiful and brilliant. And I could only imagine what the the goal horn is going to be for for the squad. Ooh, well, it's gonna be a good one. Speaking of the squad, I don't think they're going to be cup contenders. Of course, looking back, I didn't think Vegas would be cup contenders right away. So oh, of don't, course. Don't uh, don't hold your breath on that one, Teej. They're going to be a good team. You're going to see some, I don't want to say superstars, but some aging superstars. Once this expansion draft comes around, guys are going to be, you know, contracts are going to be close to up. And Seattle's going to be able to get some quality, quality players. And they're going to be looking good right away. Now, granted, like I said, I don't think they'll be a cup contender, but I also said the same thing about Vegas. I'm just happy to see hockey back in Seattle because it's a city with a rich history of hockey, unlike Las Vegas. Still angry about that, just saying. But I mean, you gotta you good. gotta give them some credit. The Golden Knights at least like worked out in general. Like that that squad is a squad that has a following. Yeah, oh, yeah. that really panned out. That went really well for the NHL and the and the Knights. So all of us were kind of like, why would you put hockey in one of the hottest states in the United States? But it's gone really well. It went the exact opposite way of how I thought it would go. So props to them on that. They have a great ownership group. And now they even created their own AHL team, the Henderson Silver Knights. So it's just kind of like they're creating more opportunities for more players. So that's a good thing. Seattle's doing the same thing. They're putting a team in um, Palm Springs for their AHL affiliate owned by the owners of the Kraken. More opportunity being created. I think Seattle's going to be a force to be reckoned with right away, but I don't see them having the immediate success that Vegas did. And then we saw, you know, Vegas had their their first year run and then a drop-off. So it's kind of a give and take. But I think Seattle will do pretty well for the first few years and then potentially five, ten years down the road, they might have a banner or two. To be fair, the Golden Knights did get, they did benefit from the fact that the Penguins were holding on to like two quality starting caliber goalies at the time, and they could only yeah. protect one. And there, you know, there there was definitely like teams were stacked at certain positions where there was enough depth for the for the Golden Knights to be able to to piece together a like as you said a a cup contender. And you know, we'll see how Seattle does. I think that the fact that it's an expansion draft for one team as opposed to both of these teams coming in at the same time is is by far going to be you know way more helpful for for the both of them and we'll see what happens you know we'll uh, we'll see how things shake out Kalen, you and I are excited to uh, are we declaring our allegiance officially are we buying into uh, the my, hype are we pre-ordering my, the $40 t-shirts that's the question i'm not pre-ordering the $40 t-shirt however my allegiance now lies with the uh, Seattle Kraken ooh so, listen, to all you hockey fans out there, Kalen is off the free agency market. He's been signed. He is the first signing of the Seattle Kraken. I wish. 
I will say, TJ, it seems like, you know, I know you're a big hockey fan and, and you have, you know, there's a lot of hockey history that you hold with you and everything being like a longtime hockey fan that it's weird because you kind of, you know, looking at other more mainstream sports talk in general, it seems that you go against the grain of what I've been seeing, which is that all of the old people in sports talk seem to hate the name and all the young people are like, yeah, this is cool. This is fine. You know, let's go for it. Release the Kraken, you know? Yeah, but that's because I'm one of those guys where, you know, I watched hockey growing up as a kid, and it was still that kind of the end of the hard nose kind of era. Like, you still had your guys like Paul Bissonnette and John Scott and Ray Emery as a goaltender used to just beat the snot out of other goalies when he would get in a fight. So it was kind of those kind of guys, and that's how I kind of styled my play when I did play. Granted, it didn't get me anywhere, but... Now you see the game evolving. I think that's where this idea comes from that, you know, all these young guys are okay with it because you look at the NHL now, the the big superstars are all like under 25. You have a guy like Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. So the next generation that's coming up is arguably going to be one of the greatest talent pools that hockey's ever seen. You know what? It's fine, TJ. You can be out here, you know, twenties going on sixties. I'm, I'm kidding. About body feels some days, so yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking around, but but hopefully, maybe at some point in the future, you know, we'll uh, we'll bring you back here and we'll uh, talk a little bit about how you feel about that Kraken branding. You know, once they roll out a couple of seasons or two, I, I agree with you that the uh, the colors are sweet and everything, and I I think the name, uh, you know. While it doesn't honor the first American hockey team to win the Stanley Cup, I still think that it's a, a cool name. I think that the people who say it's like too corny and all that, I think that's a little I think it's a little much. I think it's a neat name. I think ties into the whole, you know, nautical theme that the city of Seattle has adopted for all of its sports franchises. For that, I can't blame them. I can't wait to see who they get in this expansion draft. I know that's gonna be a lot of fun. Until then, I will wait until the $40 t-shirts get a little bit cheaper before I buy one, okay? So baseball is getting their season underway, their 60-game season. Everyone's really excited for it. I'm doing my own little experiments with it. I'm going to try to see if uh, if I can gamble my way to some victory on these uh, baseball games, see how well I can predict them. But in the meantime, Kalen, the MLB at the last second made some changes to their postseason structure, and I think we should talk about it. Really? Yeah. So here's the thing. I know baseball isn't exactly your like most forward sport. I'd say it's probably number three on your list. Yeah, for sure. So you're familiar with the current structure of the MLB postseason, correct? Of course. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, I grew up watching baseball and loving baseball. So, yeah. Yeah. So you'd have the three division winners and then you have the two wildcard teams below that. The wildcard teams face off. The winner goes and faces off against the number one seed. The two and yep. three also face off, and then that boils down to, you know, your your American League champion, National League champion, and then eventual World Series champion. Well, this year, it's a little different. And by a little different, I mean very different. <laughs> so so here's, here's a thought that I have before we really dive in the rabbit hole of the changes. Why did they need to make the changes in the first place? I mean, why can't you just keep the playoff structure the same with the shortened season? So there's actually two reasons for it. Basically, the one is the thought process that they can recoup some lost revenue because these games are going to be more exciting and more watched. Okay. And the other one is actually a topic I'm going to get into after I explain it, if that's cool with you. That's okay. Let's hear it then. So new playoff structure. Each league, each half is going to have eight teams that make the playoffs. So it's a 16-team playoff, which is pretty normal if you look at most sports, but for the MLB, it's a big expansion. And the way it's going to work is that you have your division winners, which are seeds one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. Then you have second place in all the divisions, which are four, five, and six. And then the next two people beyond that is going to be seven and eight. And then they're going to play, you know, one V eight, two V seven, three V six, four V five, like normal. So what does this change? First off, this means that that first week during what would be wildcard weekend, everybody is playing. Everybody is playing in the playoffs. There's no buy to the division winners like there would typically oh. be. So instead of having your first, second, and third seed wait for someone to come out of the wild card and then those guys play in the divisional weekend, that that's just not happening. Everyone's playing during wild card weekend. 
Okay. So obviously whoever wins those matchups goes on to face off in the divisional weekend and then in the championship weekend and then World Series as usual. So a couple of things about this. First off, the wildcard weekend is going to be a best of three series. What? Yes. So wildcard weekend is. Wow. Yeah. So the wildcard series will be a best of three. The higher seed gets home field advantage and it's not like it switches back and forth. It will be entirely at that team's location. So if the Dodgers are number one, which is very likely to happen this season. And let's Mm -hmm. say the Cardinals sneak in on the number eight seed because the NL Central is going to be very competitive this year. That means that the Cardinals have to play three games in Los Angeles and have to come out the winner of those three games. Some other things to note about this is that there's not going to be a tiebreaker game, should I say, for any playoff spots. So we've seen in recent years the Brewers and Cubs, for example, had to play a tiebreaker game to find out who won the division. That's not happening. Everything's going to be done mathematically, so the tiebreaker is going to be obviously head-to-head schedule if possible. Then after that is intra-division record, and then after that, they're just going to literally look at the last 20, (laughs) the, the final 20 divisional games, and go, which one has a better record? And then if those are tied, they're going to go, okay, what about the 21st game and then the 22nd game and the 23rd game until there is a broken tie in this situation? Uh-huh. I know, it's it's long and convoluted, but they don't want to play any additional games. That's the, the point here. Some other things to note is that all the divisional winners, like all the teams that win the division, could theoretically be knocked out during wildcard weekend. Yeah, which is mind-boggling to me because you think wildcard weekend and that's the weekend for like, you know, the bottom teams to get in, mm-hmm. not, you know, the top seed to play the eighth seed in this case, which is really weird to me. But the thing I want to talk about a little bit is I think there's another reason why they did it this way, or they're, they're, okay. they're bringing up this expansion of the playoffs. And I think it is yet another step and another sign that very soon, okay, very soon, we're going to be seeing teams number 31 and 32 in Major League Baseball, and they're going to come up to caliber with the NFL and with the National Hockey League. Oh, yeah? Because, you, th- you think the baseball is going to expand in the next couple years? That, well, that, and this is like a, a trial run of what that expansion playoff can look like. Now, if they go to 32 teams, it's very easy for them to then do the shift that the NFL did and have four four-team divisions in each league. And if they have four four-team divisions, they can make it where the first and second place team in each division goes to the playoffs. Right, which would be super easy to do. It'd be super easy to do. And like the thing is, when you add more teams, more teams should be going to the playoffs. Oh, of course. In order to, you know, keep the opportunity or the chance of going to the playoffs equivalent. Yeah. Like, for example, in the NFL, you have what the four division winners and two wild cards. So you have six teams from each league go to the playoffs. But they've already talked about how they're expanding that. We've already talked about how they're expanding that to include another team. Yep. Yeah, hockey sends eight teams from each uh, each conference to the playoffs. Basketball sends eight teams, although basketball is, you know, 30 teams currently. But, you know, yep. the point stands that the expansion of the playoffs is something that's kind of hot and trendy right now. And I think with the fact that they're already looking at expanding how many teams there are in the league, you know, like Montreal basically is like already building a new stadium on the <laughs> on the assumption that baseball <laughs> is going to return there soon. You know, and we we discussed at length before other places that could get a baseball team. Nashville has become a huge talking point as of late. Portland's always been one that I've heard and I thought would be a good option, you know, at least allow a nearby team that Seattle fans could realistically travel to for away games. San Antonio being another hotspot, Louisiana being another potential landing zone. North Carolina being another spot that could potentially use a baseball team. So there are places that we've discussed in the past. And I think that this is part of like the, you know, we got to kind of try to expand everything at once. I, I Do think it all at one go. That Instead of stages, the MLB is like, yeah, screw it. We'll just expand and expand all in one shot and plan it out beforehand, hopefully. I mean, to be fair, if this playoff structure works, then they can just they know that this could be what they adopt when they expand to 32 teams. Again, and that would also involve a restructuring of the divisions, which would be very interesting because I don't like I don't know how that shuffles out for some 
teams and rivalries and getting moved to new divisions and all that good stuff. But either way, I think that's part of what's going on. I mean, it's also nice to see them test this out because this is something that they could be introducing in the next collective bargaining agreement, which is Mm -hmm. coming up soon. It expires after the 2021 season, so they're only a year away from that. Which there are other things they're probably going to be discussing, like, you know, making the the DH permanent as they are doing temporarily this season and the runner on second and extra innings, which happened for the first time uh, earlier this week. Yeah, earlier this week, the first time it happened uh, in Major League Baseball. Ironically, the man who was standing on second wanting to sprint home was Shohei Otani, which I <laughs> no thought <way>. was yeah, <laughs> which I thought was absolutely hilarious in the uh, the Angels series against the Athletics. Regardless, I think it's uh, you know an interesting thing to see them expand here, try to regain some of that revenue that they lost uh, from the shortened season, and I think that a structure like this could potentially you know have merit in you know a regular season especially if they expand to 32 teams and expand to uh you know a a four by what would it be a four by four division structure then exactly yeah i think it's always good to expand the playoffs but i always like to see it like the way that you are saying the mlb or we think the mlb will do it which is expanding the number of teams along with expanding the playoffs because when you just expand the playoffs and you don't expand the number of teams, you end up with, you know, the issue of, well, all right, now in the NBA, 10 teams in each conference are getting into the playoffs. Well, what's the point then? You know, like so many get in. What's the difference? Why are the playoffs, you know, are the playoffs even worth getting into because so many bet like mediocre teams get in then? I think that's what you need to watch out for when you continue to expand the playoffs. I know it's like the trendy thing to do in sports right now, but you also have to remember that the playoffs are for the teams that are the best. It's not a participation trophy. It's uh, we're the best teams. Here we go. We're going to battle it out and you're going to get the best quality content for you know watching or the best quality games out of those games that happen in, in the quote unquote playoffs, you know, whether it's basketball, hockey, soccer, uh, football, whatever it is, those are supposed to be the best games of the season. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. And, you know, we've seen good teams get blown out of the water by other really good teams. And that's just the playoffs. But again, you know, we already have, I'll use the NBA as an example. The NBA already has this problem of 500 teams get into the playoffs and they shouldn't be in the playoffs. And I agree with that. I fully agree with that. I'm a fan who supports the idea of, the NBA playoffs need to be a little bit more elite. But if you look at the Western Conference, the Pelicans are three games behind eighth or something like that as we pick up the season here uh, in, in the coming you know weeks. But they would miss the playoffs. And to me, they're, in half, they're a decent enough team to get in. So it's, it's a tough call with the NBA specifically. But I, that's just a good example of, you know, arguably too many teams get in. You know, we brought up the topic of... The expansion solely because the flack that the NBA does get sometimes. For example, a lot of people have like looked at different years in the past and have talked about teams that would have made into the playoffs under the system in past years. For example, you have the 2017 Orioles with a 75 and 87 record that would have made it in under the system. The Marlins, Ew. the Marlins in 2014 were 77 and 85. The 2019 Ew. Rangers were 78 and 84. The 2016 Pirates would have made the playoffs for the third year in a row, but with a 78 and 83 record. Yeah, see, yeah. those aren't good teams. Those weren't good teams. No, they, they weren't. And that's that's kind of like the issue with this whole thing. Part of it is like, I like the idea of them expanding it in terms of like what expansion in the playoffs represents. Right. But there there might be some poor execution because of it. No, I fully agree with that. And, you know, that's what you have to be careful with in expanding the playoffs is does your league actually have, you know, an extra two teams or four teams to get into the playoffs that are good that arguably should have been there? And you can make the case for baseball. Probably not. But, you know, we'll we'll see how it shakes out with this trial run season here of 60 games. And we'll see how it goes. You know, I mean. I like the idea, but I agree with you, Dan. I like it for, you know, the sake of expanding the league, not just the sake of expanding the playoffs to expand the playoffs. Yeah, I think the last thing to touch on about this is that because this was added to the season, 
there are some winners and losers for the current season, at least when it comes to probability of winning a championship. So obviously the teams that were already poised to win a championship, they do lose a little bit of a percentage chance of winning because they do have to now face more people in the playoffs and all that. So for example, the Dodgers have lost an estimated 3% chance of winning the World Series because of this. The Astros lost a percent. The Yankees lost a percent. And then there's people on the flip side, like the Red Sox, who coming into the season look like a like a 500 team, a team that, you know, is is just going to be playing baseball and not really be a championship contender. They increase their odds by half a percent to win the World Series because of this. I mean, it's not a huge percentage. Now they're at like a 2% chance of winning the whole thing. It's not massive at all. Right. But there there is a greater chance that some of these middling level teams that weren't really in the conversation to win their division a la the Red Sox, the Rays, for example, some of the teams under the Nationals in the NL East, like the Braves and the Mets, you know, some of some of these teams now have a slightly higher chance of making it because they have a greater chance of making the playoffs now and they have a greater chance of making that playoff run work with an upset. Exactly. Exactly. Because, I mean, especially in a three game series, an eight seed versus a one seed, you need to win two, like. That can happen really easily, really mm-hmm. easily. That's to me, baseball should never be less than five. I mean, like regular season three game series doesn't matter. That's great. But in the playoffs, it should oh, in my opinion, it is always should have been a five game series. It yeah. always should be. Yeah. Even I mean, in a short, even in a 60 game season like we have right now, like playoffs should be five game series because you got to get to three games. Like you either got to sweep them three Oh, or, you know, you win two, they win two at home. And then you, you have to win it in game five. You know, I've always felt that that was good for TV. This was good for tickets, good for money, etc. And three games, especially when they're all in the same place. It's like, well, you never have a home field advantage. then. that's just the nature of the whole thing. Anyways, that like not wanting to move around and stuff like that. But obviously there's some clear favorites right now to win the whole thing. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, that's pretty much the list. (laughs) (laughs) But if they're, you know, if we see like a middling level team, if we see the Rays, if we see the Mets, the the Braves, you know, a a squad like that manage to push through and manage to upset the whole thing and, you know, throw the apple card over and, and walk away at the World Series, part of it might be, you know, the discussion of the new playoff format. We will see how it all shakes out. We won't have to wait long. <laughs> this is all happening, nope. you know, back end of September into October. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out. We're uh, not even a full week into the MLB season, and things have already been a little topsy-turvy in places. So Now it's time for our weekly obscure sport here on the pregame podcast. And this obscure sport is one that's a little aquatic. A little aquatic. By little aquatic, I mean very aquatic. You you really need a full pool to uh, to take advantage of this sport. It is the great sport of Octopush. Wait, what? Octopush. Now, it, it does have another name besides Octopush. It's underwater hockey, which kind of spoils it a little bit. But I like Octopush better. But Octopush definitely seems like the more fun name. So what this is, it's a underwater hockey variant. It's described as a supremely aerobic game. And uh, it was invented back in the 1950s and is basically played in one place and one place only. And that is the Great Isles of the United Kingdom. (laughs) Really? Yes. This is a sport that's pretty much only played in the UK. It was first played in the town of Southsea, which uh, is, as, as it describes, it's a seaside town in England. And it is a mixed gender aquatic game that involves... Diving down to the bottom of a pool and, you know, taking your little uh, stick, little hockey stick thing and uh, pushing a puck along the bottom of a pool. This looks pretty cool. So basic rundown. So to give you an idea, there is an equipment list, a, a list of equipment that you need to play this game. So everybody who's playing this game needs a snorkel. They need some type of cap with proper ear and mouth guard and all that good stuff. You also get to wear a mask to protect your eyes, but you also get fins. You get a stick, which when I say a stick, it's not like a full-size hockey stick. It's very much a a small little stick that, how do I describe this? You ever, uh, Kaylin, you know those um, those handheld like dish scrubbers where yeah. it would have like a brush on the end and you'd hold it and you'd press the button that would like 
inject some of the dish soap. Yep, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and you, yeah, it's basically that's basically what it looks like. It looks like a little kind of like handheld like scrubber thing that you have that you can push the hockey puck along the bottom of the pool. And then on each end of the pool, there are little like trays dug into the bottom against the back wall. And your goal is you have to get the puck entirely within the tray. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, this game basically plays like regular hockey. They start with uh, both teams holding the one wall of the pool on opposite sides. They have the puck in the middle. The referee says go. They swim. And then from there, they got to maneuver the puck around. There are a couple of penalties that you need to be aware of when you're playing this game. Okay. Uh, First off, you know, they have things like false starts where you break away from the wall before the start of the game officially. You also have unsportsmanlike conduct that happens in this game. So that would be like fighting underwater, grabbing your opponent with your free hand because you only have one hand that has the stick. The stick's just a one-handed boy. Well, it's so tiny that I would imagine you only need one hand. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, basically grabbing, um, you know, your opponent unnecessarily that is all unsportsmanlike conduct stuck. There are stick infringements. So whoever has possession of the puck is they're working their way across the bottom of the pool. You can try to, you know, take the puck by... It's kind of like a soccer tackle. Like, you have to go for the the puck and not the stick. Right. In soccer, you have to go for the ball, not the legs. Same, exactly. Same principle there. There's also stick infringement in the other way. So not only a defensive stick infraction, but there is a stick infraction for an offensive one where if your teammate has control of the puck, you can't come up and like push his stick for him. You can't like train a bunch of sticks together and do one big push. If that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically whoever, whoever has control of the puck, like you just can't mess with their stick. You can't hit their stick with the exception of like, it's kind of weird. Like you can't just outright hit it, but if you manage to take control of the puck, then like the ref might give you some leeway. It's uh, it's very much gotcha. a uh, a judgmental determination of whether or not it's a penalty, much like it is in soccer and you know many other sports. Understandable. But beyond that, you know, your goal is to is to score, and um, if there are penalties, what you get for having someone commit a penalty against you is you do get what's called a advantage puck. And what that means is instead of putting the puck in the middle, they put the puck slightly on your opponent's side and your opponents have to stay three meters away until you guys touch the puck. Okay. It's like a free kick in soccer. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I would say it's like a free kick, basically. Yeah. Okay. So you would have that. And of course, you could commit penalties by being too close or, you know, false starting on the advantage kick and all that good stuff. But regardless, that's kind of the basic gist of it. They do also have a penalty box, much like hockey, although it's officially called on their website the sin bin, which <laughs> means, <laughs> yeah, so if there is a unsportsmanlike conduct or a penalty severe enough that the referee deems it that you have to, like, sit out for a bit, they could either have you sit out for one, two, or five minutes of gameplay, and of course they could just disqualify you outright if you, you know, start, like, choking yeah. somebody or something. Just, like, whack somebody in the goggles with your stick on purpose, like, yeah. crack them. I'm blind! <laughs> yeah, but the the sin bin is not really much of a bin. All you do is sit up on the deck of the pool until your time is up, and then you can jump back in. But you have to jump back in safely, and you know you can't just dive into somebody. That's unfortunate. That yeah, you can't like it, it's not like not the diving in on somebody part, but the the fact that it's not like an actual box. Oh yeah, it's it's just literally just a piece of the of the pool deck that you're just chilling on. I think the only other thing about this that I. Th- that I think is kind of interesting and unique is that in hockey, there's a lot of like flinging the puck around. And in this sport, you can't really do that as much because if you fling the puck and your fling, you know, has the, the risk of hitting a person, no matter who that person is, your opponent or your, your, you know, your teammate, that is actually a penalty because like the puck getting launched in the air is a penalty. Well, well, in, not, it wouldn't be in the air, off the deck of the pool, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, off, yeah, like into the air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, any time where an opponent has to take, like, any type of action to avoid getting hit by the puck, or if it does hit an opponent, it is a, uh, it's a penalty. So Interesting. You gotta, you gotta basically keep it, like, pushed along the, like, you can't really, you can't, like, dribble it like you would in soccer, like, kick it out a little bit and then chase after it and then kick it out a little bit and chase after it. Right. Basically, your stick needs to be in contact with the puck like the entire time. I mean, 
I feel like it would have to be too because this is underwater. Like we have to remember that majority, actually, all of this gameplay is happening underwater, which kind of plays into the Octo Push name a bit more. It's more of a push than a than anything else. That is kind of the basics of underwater hockey. Like I said, invented back in the 1950s by a man named Alan Blake, which is the most most British name out there. Like, tell me a more British name than Alan Blake. Uh, Prince William. I, oh, all right. All right, Chief. But <laughs> <laughs> either way, it's primarily played in the UK. They do have, technically, they do have other countries that have underwater um, hockey associations, including the U.S., but they are pretty barren in comparison to the UK. Interesting. Very, I'm very curious as to why it's so popular there. But I don't know. Maybe more access to pools or something. I, I don't know. I, I, can, I couldn't think of something. But that is the essence of Octopush. Kalen, is this a sport that you see yourself participating in? Uh, yeah, I could participate, but I would be very bad at it. I mean, any particular reason why you think you'd be bad? I'm not, well, for starters, I'm not that good at holding my breath underwater anymore these days. Like, I, I don't have the uh, air capacity, lung capacity to, uh, like, go down there and be active and play this sport. Plus, you have a snorkel uh, I, and fin flippers and what whatever else. I don't know. It's swimming. I'm not a very aquatic creature. I, I prefer land. That's kind of so. weird. I'd expect you to, like... I don't know. I expect the the lankiness of you to give you a lot of um a lot of power underwater because you can get a lot more force out of your like you know dolphin kicks and stuff like that. That is true. However, I am untrained and terrible at it all. So ah. that's herein lies the problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, fair, fair. So I don't know, Dan. Would you play it? Would you? Would you jump in the pool? I think the problem that I have is that I have a a built in buoyancy to me. I don't really get to the bottom of the pool as easily. I, I am able to, you know, I, I enjoy swimming and enjoy like hanging out, you know, in water and all that good stuff. But I am like, I think for me, it would be difficult for me to be able to keep myself at the bottom of the pool enough to be effective. Right. Because there's a natural level of buoyancy that I have due to my uh, body composure, should I say. <laughs> Here. Your your size and shape. Yes. And if you will. Which, you know, I think that would be a limiting factor of it. I mean, to play this, like, you know, I mean, I'm down for it. It seems like a cool game. It's worth giving it a shot. So I feel like I'd play one game of it and be like, all right, I don't have to do that for the rest of my life. Well, what do you think would happen if we had to play every single sport that um, we talked about here on the Obscure Sports segment? I think we'd have some serious fun for some of them. And I think we'd have to chase around a dead goat for some of them. But uh, <laughs> that you always come back to that one, huh? That was the most weird thing to ever talk about on any kind of anywhere that I've ever experienced in my life. But I don't know. I think if we we had to play one game of all these obscure sports, it'd be pretty interesting. I mean, wife carrying would be weird. I mean, yeah, that would be that'd be an interesting one. It's another weird one. Another, another I mean, we could, one. we could go on and on about that. This yeah. should be a segment in and of itself. But um, but final verdict on uh, Octopush. You'd be willing to try it, but maybe not be the best at it. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be too good, and I don't see myself signing up for the league. So Yeah, well, it, it's okay. It's okay. Maybe we can, I don't know, maybe this stirs someone else to to revitalize Octopush for the uh, American governing body. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm? Maybe. And as we wrap up the show here on the pregame podcast, we make a couple of predictions before we're out the door of what we could see coming in the next week in sports action. Kalen, it's your final week to make a prediction. You've been building up, you've been stockpiling, should I say, predictions for weeks on end now about all these MLB games within the first like couple of days of them coming back to action. What's your final pick? in your little assortment here. So I uh, wanted to keep it to the first two days still of NBA action, which would be Thursday and Friday. So I'm looking at the Friday eight o'clock game, which is the Kings and Spurs. Honestly, in my opinion, it's one of the closer games on the docket for that evening, besides maybe the, the magic and nets game. 
So I'm looking at that game, and I am going to predict that the Spurs will win by five points that night. At least five points, I should say, to clarify. Okay, so at least five points. That's what uh, we're saying they're going to win by, excuse me. Yep, yep. Spurs win by five at the very least. That's my prediction for that evening's game. I will not be watching that. I'll be watching my Celtics get destroyed by the Bucks. who, in case you didn't see Dan, put up 80 points and a half against the Sacramento Kings, which which was just absurd. So, yeah, I'd say they're on fire still. But enough of NBA. Who? What are you predicting for this week? I'm predicting for this week that by the time we talk again next Wednesday, the MLB season's over. Ooh! We're done. Spicy! Shut it down. Shut it down. Pack it up. And get out of here. We're not doing this. No. Marlins don't even have a team. You know no, they you... don't. They lost half their roster. Hey, hey, uh, Rob Manfred, you know how you made that squad of like 30 players that were like backups in case people like fell out for COVID? Yeah, that entire group of 30 is the Marlins squad right now. What are you going to do next? Also, yeah, we, can't, really. we can't just blame the Marlins. The Reds are also being trashed by COVID right now, too. But either yes. way, the MLB season, we're done. We're out of here. Like, I, I would even say by the weekend we're done, but I'm going to say definitely by by next Wednesday. By the time we're talking again, losers of the week are going to be MLB because, you know what, they're not even going to be playing anymore. That's what I'm saying. You heard it here first, folks. Hot takes by Dan Zaleski. The only thing I do here is throw out spice, okay? If you haven't realized that all I do is just shoot habaneros from my fingertips, then you haven't been listening close enough. That's for sure. <laughs> time for us to get out of here, though. <laughs> Kayla, is there anything you got to say before we go? My man shooting habaneros. All right. All right, hot man over here. No, I don't have anything else to say other than, you know, watch all the baseball you can this week, folks, because I don't think Dan's very far off there with the uh, prediction. Oh, my man making spicy takes, even though I actually agree with it. Okay, I see how it is. That doesn't mean it's not spicy. That that I guess that you have a point. You have a point. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter to see everything that's going on during the rest of the week at pregame underscore pod. Also, don't forget to send us any mail you have, any questions, comments, discussion, hate mail about how I'm dumb for thinking the MLB season's gonna be over next week. All of that can be sent to our mailbag, the pregame mailbag at gmail.com. We uh we check that each and every day for any new mail that you guys send in. And that about does it for us. So let's get out of here. My name is Dan Zaluski. My name is Kalen Wolfskill. And we will see you guys next week. Peace. Game podcast is produced by Dan Zaleski and Kalen Wolfskill with special guest TJ Fosnot. Theme music by High On You, a Ruby Media production. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the uh, the games come back on Friday night. I mean, or Thursday and Friday. I mean, hey, enjoy your basketball. Baseball's over. I mean, for me as a Pirates fan, baseball season was over a while ago, but now it's just like really over. Can I get you into the NBA? The end of the NBA season? Can I get you to be a fan? I mean, Jump on the bandwagon? I'm, the I'm Celtics al- bandwagon? I don't know about the Celtics bandwagon. I'm always kind of like a tertiary like NBA fan. You know, I always check out what's going on. I don't really root for anyone incredibly hard, but you know. You're a casual Golden State fan, but I mean, like, how about how about I convert you into a hard Celtics fan? Uh, how would that happen? You're going to have to do a lot of convincing. How could I do that? Fun, fun what if I buy you a ticket for a Sixers-Celtics game? How about that? Ooh, I'm actually down to go to a Sixers-Celtics game. See? See? All right. Yeah. There it is. Well, you know that I'm going to be... You on, I mean, I'll put you on the list. Y- you know that I'm going to be wearing my Golden State high tops, though, right? The ones with all the championship years on them? I can't blame you. I mean, they're pretty hot shoes. I'm not going to lie. But it is what it is. Funny enough, I actually learned something about the Celtics today. Oh, yeah? So apparently there's a thing in the NBA where, like, you can, like, defer contracts over, like, numbers of years and stuff like that. Like, you know, the uh, in baseball, the Bobby Bonilla thing where they came to an agreement where, like, 
Bobby Benita yeah, yeah, yeah. gets paid like one mil one point whatever million like every year until like every year like 2042 or 2035 yeah something like that either way so there is an actual thing in the nba that like teams can invoke this so it's not it's not like they have to come to like a complete agreement like the bobby mania thing and the celtics have a very important player that they are still paying until the year 2022 who that kevin garnett i was just gonna say kg i was just gonna say that that's cool like they, he has like eleven million dollars owed to him that they're spreading across the course of like you know a whole bunch of time, and he gets bonus extra money for it and all that stuff. But yeah, hey, he's worth it. So oh well. Yeah, well, you know what? That's my Celtic fun fact for the day. 